Hi, this is Kenya, and welcome to my Magical Cottagecore Life. Today, we're going to go back to the fields, and we're going to look up and around and look for a plant that's kind of red, kind of spiky, kind of grassy, kind of seedy. Today, you're going to take out your big book of stuff and turn to the herbal remedy section. And today, you're going to learn about red sheep sorrel or sourgrass. Now, I know we talked about common wood sorrel and that's yellow, but we're not talking about that today. Today, we're talking about red sheep sorrel and if you're in the south, you've probably run across it. It's up here too. I mean, it is, but down south, it would be something that you might have chewed as a child, or you might still chew it up here. You have to look for it though, and know what you're looking at, because sometimes people mistake it for yellow curly dock until they actually learn what yellow curly dock looks like. Yellow curly dock looks like coffee grounds. So it's one of those cases where you really need to be careful with the drawings so you can learn what things actually look like. But no, red sheep sorrow actually is a reddish color and it is a completely different plant. So get out your big book of stuff and let's get ready to talk about sourgrass. Now you know how I am about knowing what the Latin words are to describe different plants so we don't pick up the wrong plant. So the particular plant I'm talking about today, sourgrass or sheep sorrel, is Rumex astacella. And this plant has like little arrows on the ends of its leaves. It's kind of cool. It's almost like, hi, here I am. Let me point you to me because I have arrows on me. Okay, that was kind of lame, but you get the point. Okay, that wasn't that wasn't supposed to be a pun. That sometimes happens. I I did not mean for that to happen. I don't know. It's one of those days, but you get the idea. And it's around March that you begin to see uh, it begins to make flowers and begins to really make its presence known but it's gonna be around for quite some time so you've got time to find it oh trust me you've got time to find it this stuff spreads everywhere now sheep sorrel has been in Michigan identified in Michigan at least in Monroe County since about the 1870s but you know and I know that just because that's when it was cataloged doesn't mean that that's when it got here and one of the things that you can distinguish sheep sorrel with is that people think that it has rhizomes but it doesn't what it has are these long sideways uh, roots but they're not rhizomes they're really not in actuality, they're just like this really broad network of creeping roots. So 
you might be able to identify it that way too. Now, one of the best things about this particular plant is that you can chew on it. I mean, it's like a little lemony, a little tart, and you'll actually enjoy the taste. Uh, just make sure that before you start chewing on it, that you check your health because there's some things involved in just running around shoving things in your mouth. Don't do that. Make sure you have no pre-existing health conditions that this particular plant can aggravate. Now, I know that you may be familiar with red sorrel or red veiny sorrel, and that's something that's used in cooking, specifically in fish. It's a perennial. Well, same thing here. This plant, too, is a perennial, especially here in Michigan and in most areas of this country. When I say this country, I mean the United States. So, it's not that hard to find. And it's definitely in every county in this state and found in Canada as well. Uh, being in the uh, Michigan Southeast area, I can say my neighbors to the south when I say Canada. It's one of the areas that we can do that in the United States. Other areas you would say your neighbors to the north. Yeah, weird flex, but why not, right? <laughs> Let's flex on them, eh? No, you're not laughing. You're groaning. It wasn't that painful, was it? Not really? Don't pucker up like that. You're, if the wind changes, your face could stay that way. You look like you've just been chewing red sorrel. Speaking of that, red sorrel is actually very sour. How sour is it? It's sour enough that you would think of it as a lemon almost um, it is very very tart and because of that flavor again you would use it with fish keep in mind though that not unlike uh, the red veiny sorrel that you would use you don't necessarily just chop up the, the plant and put the leaves on top of the fish as a seasoning I mean I guess you could but that's not really the best way you would take your leaves and Put them into a mortar and pestle and smoosh them up, like grind them down, and then put them into a cloth, preferably cotton or cheesecloth. Uh, put them at the bottom, twist and squeeze the juice out as a liquid seasoning. That's one way to do it. Another thing you can do is using that method or even as a steeping method in a, an herb bag you could make a nice lemon taste to a fish stew. So there's some versatility there, but there's some other reasons you might want to make this sour grass something of an acquaintance. And that's for health reasons. Because sweet, that sour grass, that tart, sour grass, has a really good use. Sourgrass, if you chew it, can not only soothe your stomach if you have a stomach ache, but sourgrass 
can get rid of worms and tapeworms. You heard me. You can chew on this grass and it will help destroy and expel worms. And if you think about it, serving it with fish or other foods that might be infested, that would make sense that you would put them together. Because that way, if your food is contaminated, this would be a way to try to guard against parasites. Parasitic infections are something that plague a lot of people, especially if they eat a lot of fresh meat or don't necessarily deal with a lot of processed food. Because sometimes when you're eating in a natural environment, you don't always take as many precautions as we know we should and that you should, and then you wind up picking up some little buddies in your body that are not welcome and are not your friends. Now, sourgrass also has another secret, and that secret is, is that it's one of the main ingredients in Essiac tea, E-S-S-I-A-C tea. And this tea was developed in Canada as an alternative treatment or a complementary treatment for certain forms of cancer. I am not going to sit here and tell you that anything is a panacea, anything is a cure-all. I am not a doctor. I am not a certified herbalist. I am not a certified naturopath. What I am is a certified student of the world. And I'm going to tell you that some people believe in all sorts of things. So if you choose to research this, go right ahead. Understand this is one of the ingredients in that original blend. So if this is something you're interested in, maybe look it up and it could possibly send you down a rabbit hole of research. You never know. It couldn't hurt. Now, not to sound cheesy, but I'm really excited about how curdling the thought is at how versatile this plant is. I know that was reaching. I know it was reaching. But listen, this particular plant can help curdle milk in the cheese making process. So it's versatile. And it's something to keep in mind if you are running a farm. You know, we do cottage core stuff here, right? So if you're a farmer, pulling this out of the ground to help in your cheese making can help, especially since it is a noxious weed for many people. You can hear Fluffy the Destroyer of Worlds, the cat, scratching her little collar. She doesn't like the bell on her collar, but we are keeping it on. And so you're just going to have to be dealing with that little kid cat. Anyway, so yeah, it is a noxious weed. So you can pick it to use it to make your cheese. You can pick it to get it out of your blueberry patch because it grows crazy in, in blueberry patches because it likes the same soil. It's an aggressive spreader. And you want to pick it because it can really have an adverse effect on your livestock. So definitely pull this weed out wherever you see it. Chew it up. You know, work on it for parasitic control. 
and get to making some good old cheese. But let's just say you don't have a farmstead. Let's just say you just want to let it grow because it's pretty and you like to chew it and you like to eat it in salads. What else can you do with it? Well, I'll tell you. If you are a hunter or your partner is a hunter or you know hunters, this is the plant for you to keep on your property under controlled conditions if you are looking to hunt deer. Michigan is whitetail country, so understand, deer like this plant. So if you're a farmer or someone who does hunt and you have property out in the, in the woods and you will be hunting deer, find yourself this patch and maybe set up a chair, uh, a nice tree stand, and just wait. They like the taste of this. And if they come there for it during the summer, they'll come back in that area during the fall. One last thing. I have mentioned several times here about eating this particular plant, but I want to be responsible. You know, before you set up any kind of feast on any kind of food in the wild. You want to research it. You want to find out all the different ways it can help or harm you. So I would be remiss if I didn't tell you something about this plant you need to know. Because of the acids inside of the plant, it can damage your teeth if you eat it to excess. You heard me. Be careful, didn't I already say, don't just shove things into your mouth. So if you set up a feast, be mindful that you don't feast all the time on it. Okay, I keep saying feast because I like the song that we're using today, and that's Master of the Feast by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech. I really love this song, it's so much fun. But again, keep in mind, keep in mind, that before you just start making a table of wild edibles, you should always know what these edibles are and the effect on your body, seen and unseen. It's good to get rid of parasites, but you don't want to do so much work with that one plant that you get rid of the teeth that you use to chew up the food before you can get the parasites, right? Okay, that's enough of that. So I guess we've come to the end of our episode about sour grass. I hope you'll look around for this plant. You've probably seen it. And once you look it up and see the difference between it and yellow dock, you'll never mistake them for each other again. Which I'm not really sure how people are mistaking them, but I guess it's not that hard of a stretch. If you haven't seen Yellow Dock before, I was reading about this and I even saw a comment 
on a TikTok recently where someone misidentified yellow dock. Um, well, they misidentified sourgrass as yellow dock. It was very disturbing. And this is why it's so important to get a good field guide or some images, some pictures, some books. And of course, if possible, someone to guide you who's been there and done that before when it comes to foraging and identifying plants in the wild. You know, I really love sharing these things with you because I love sharing things with my friends and we're friends, right? I really want you to feel comfortable in going outside and asking why and what things are and where do they come from and how does this thing in this ground, in this grass, in this tree or on this sand or in this water relate to me and how do I relate to it? You know, it's kind of not just about an aesthetic. It's more like about a life because you're part of this whole life system, whether you are cognizant of it all the time or not. That's just how it is. So until next time, I will look forward to you joining me here on my Magical Cottagecore Life.